Okay, well, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Mike Oste, and this is another episode of Mike Drop here on Pittsburgh Sports Live and a part of our Steelers coverage. And I think you know, probably if you're tuning in this far and if you're watching this far, my guest for this particular show, and that is Brian McFadden, a two-time Super Bowl champion. He is a football analyst with CBS Sports and co-host of All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson. And that's a fantastic title, by the way, for a podcast. That's perfect for the two of you for that. So he's going to be joining me here for this edition of the show. We're going to talk about what Mike Tomlin has said recently with the former teammate of his, Ryan Clark, on his show, The Pivot, some nuggets that Mike Tomlin dropped, to say the least, and then also about this Steelers team overall moving to training camp and another season. So, Brian, first off, thanks for jumping aboard here with me i do see you have the jerseys in the background so you're you're giving love to yourself and your co-host <laughs> and again that's no a doubt. fantastic title for a show uh thank you thank you for having me it's always a pleasure being uh, being able to uh jump on with you and uh, uh just talk ball thank yeah. you yeah 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 it's kind of that lull i guess in the year in the summer a bit people going on vacations Yep. But news is still churning, and Mike Tomlin had a few minutes to sit down with Ryan Clark and was able to turn some news before they get really back to work after OTAs. So I do kind of want to start there, and I don't know if you got a chance to watch the whole thing. It was fantastic. I mean, we're both at this, but I got to give the flowers where they're due. That was fantastic. Uh, full hour and a half, I was able to tune into the whole thing. And I do kind of want to start off with Mike Tomlin really talked about his thoughts on leadership, his coaching style having played and then he under Tony Dungy and his progression, obviously Ryan Clark, certainly very familiar with that as well. A teammate of yours in those title teams. Any, uh, do you have any stories that you want to offer in terms of your time under Mike Tomlin and what takeaways did you have from watching Tomlin? Because I'm going to watch it and take news from it, but obviously having covered the team for years, I can take it one way, maybe more than a fan could, but you can take it a whole different way. Having played under the man, any, any surprises there? Anything did you watch and think, wow, he pulled that from Mike? I didn't think anyone would get him to say that publicly. Um, to answer your first question, any stories, uh, not outside of the box, you know, based on what we right. uh, haven't heard already. But one thing I would like to confirm is I remember the story that Ryan Clark told during the pivot with Mike T, as he mentioned, yeah. uh, the Super Bowl, right, the 2008 season. Yeah. Um, defensively, we were, we were so good. We were so good. I mean, we <laughs> you, just you really depth. were one of the more underrated yeah. defenses ever. We, we, yeah. we had depth. We had yeah. uh, stars that played like stars. Uh, we had role players that played their position to the fullest. And because of that, we were able to, uh, you know, help get our team to Suvo. But yes, that play when um, Larry Fitzgerald scored that touchdown uh, and Ryan said it and we all felt the same way. We're going to be the reason why we lost the Super Bowl, the defense. Right. The defense, the, the one group, the one unit that right. was always in the tops of all statistical categories. We're going to be the reason why. So when Larry Fitz scored, we were just on the sideline. Like, oh, dang, afraid. Like, you know, what what, <laughs> what what do we do? Right. Yeah. And then when we go down and score, we're still in the mind frame, uh, the mind, the, the mind frame of like, man, we just messed up. We even shouldn't be in this position. And my T had to kind of get everybody together like, hey. Man, if you win, regardless of what happens, and Doesn't he matter. said that, right. we're legendary defense. Because think about this. Some of the best right. defenses that we've seen yeah. or have heard about, if they don't win a championship, they're not in that conversation. 100%. You know what I mean? 
prime example, uh, let's say most recently, the Super Bowl was San Francisco and Kansas City. Remember, that San Francisco 49ers defense was top notch. Yeah. But no one will ever talk about them being one of the best to ever do it, especially during their time, because they didn't win a championship. So for us, most of the guys already having a championship under their belt, we're like, oh, we screwed it up. And Mike T's like, man, let's get, man, listen, we win. We, we, we will forever be remembered as a dominating unit. But we just didn't grasp that at the time because we like, man, we because we were so used to dominating people. You know what I mean? Just right. used to just yeah. doing what we're supposed to do. Right. Um, but that's kind of would have it would have been ironic for that year to end that oh. way negatively for the defense. It didn't happen, so you don't have to you don't have to put your head down there. It didn't happen, and, and you have and, another ring thanks to it. And you but know yeah, the, how yeah, the Steelers true. beloved fans are. It's it's all about defense anyway. They 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 it seems right. back during those times they held yeah. the defense at a higher standard. Yeah than the offense and for us to do what we did the entire season and then have a drop off at the biggest game man the fans would have went crazy they would have been <laughs> totally pissed at us yeah uh, but <laughs> yeah the maybe. second question was i surprised no that's who mike t is you know i had the luxury of having him on our podcast with me and pat peterson and 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 just the relationship he opens up in a way that most yeah. people don't see him when he's around people who he's comfortable with in a comfortable like setting uh, but I'm I'm happy that he was able to showcase who he is, not just as a coach, but as a leader. Yeah, because if you didn't have a a, a, a found respect for him, you have a newfound respect for him now. I would say, actually, that's very fair. And I'm glad he did this as well, because, as you know, he's kind of a polarizing coach nationally. There are some mm -hmm. that maybe don't give him as much due. There are some that maybe we're talking about how you wouldn't have got as much credit as maybe your group deserved if you did allow that touchdown and then your team ended up losing and the Steelers didn't get that second ring. Well, that's kind of the conversation it's been over the last decade that Tomlin has a ring, but only three playoff wins, kind of people saying, well, what have you done for me lately? And it's not fair. You know, a lot more goes into it when, you know, when Ben got hurt a few years ago, et cetera. But that kind of has had Tomlin be a little polarizing nationally. We saw a national media outlet throw up a top 10 list and Tom was not there. I'm not even going to I'm not even going to throw out the name to give him any more dap. But those things occurred and then you get to follow it up with this. So Tomlin was able to kind of answer some things people were wondering. And I do think it maybe had people at least respect him more in terms of leadership. But it does kind of connect the dots to the current group defensively. I mean, they've had their warts. I'm not going to put them historically with you guys because I think you're more of the underrated groups of all time when you're talking about people give credit to the 85 Bear, 2000 Ravens, etc. You guys for that era are certainly right up there and you did get a ring. But yeah, this group here hasn't had the playoff success despite the sack record, despite TJ getting the Defensive Player of the Year award, comparing this group to say the Buccaneers of the late 90s, early 2000s. They at least got a ring. They had deep runs. This group hasn't had that, so it does hold this group back, and and that may have happened to you guys as well. But I'm glad that Tomlin spoke as well. Brian McFadden, of course, you know who this man is. He has a couple rings. He has one of them thanks to the defense holding on and the offense stepping up, and then, of course, James Harris and his teammate running that pick back, and then a lot going on in that Super Bowl for the Steelers to beat the Cardinals and of course also a football analyst with CBS sports and co-host as he mentioned there of all things covered with Patrick Peterson. Now, two things that Mike Tomlin also mentioned that, I, that are really getting recognition, but they were kind of pieces of that hour and a half that I think can't be lost. And number one is he detailed the behind the scenes situation of bringing in Brian Flores. 
So I don't know if you knew a lot of that prior, if any of that was a revelation to you, but I think certainly for fans, a lot more, more of that was unveiled. And maybe there's some surprise part of that because that involves, you know, kind of his, his back door work that he hasn't always been open with, but he brings Brian Flores on as a defensive assistant, former head coach with the Miami Dolphins, obviously in midst of litigation with the NFL, which is weird. And as you know, the Rooney family always has had a close relationship with the NFL. They're on the premier ownership groups. Some thought that might've been controversial at the time that's going forward. And obviously controversial end to Brian Flores' time with Miami as he basically is saying there was racism involved and he didn't believe he was treated fairly in different interviews he went on with the Broncos and Elway, et cetera. And Tomlin kind of detailed not only his support of Brian Flores, that it was a quick thing. It was almost like they had a conversation and he told, hey, hold on, in a 24-hour turnaround, he's, he's joining the Steelers. Uh, you know, a lot of other coaches who maybe were weaker would have been nervous to bring a, a successful head coach on who did win games in a rough situation with Miami under you. Because if, if you have a few game of a losing streak, people are going to say, just give Brian Flores the job, as crazy as that sounds. But w- did anything there surprise you at all? And then what are your thoughts on the Brian Flores situation? Because it kind of got under the radar a little bit since the initial news broke, since Tomlin spoke on it. But He's with the Steelers. He's doing work with the Steelers, but there's still obviously him in the NFL as adversaries and Tomlin trying to work with him. And it's still kind of an odd situation, but Tomlin was very open on those dealings. Yeah. You know what? That's just the Steeler way. Um, they're the, they're one of few organizations that can do things differently and be considered an outlier, but won't really see a lot of criticism. And, and slack from the naysayers because of the foundation, because of the pre- prestigious tradition that's tied to the organization. Now you might have you might have had some folks like kind of raise their eye- eyebrow at that move, but for the most part, everybody applauded the Steelers. Yeah, I think it was a time. great a great move. It just made me yeah. surprised that oh, because because he's suing the NFL. It's a weird yeah. situation. And I, I think that the, the biggest surprise for me was hearing how fast it happened. Right. It didn't even take 24 hours. And that's, you know, kudos to uh, Mr. Rooney and seeing things with an open mind, because Tomlin said, as you mentioned, on the pivot, he went in and talked to Mr. Rooney. Mr. Rooney was like, OK, <laughs> it wasn't a back and forth for it. it. It wasn't something that he said, you know what? I need to really think about it. Let yeah. me <laughs> put my head together. Let me talk to a few people. All right. OK. Yeah. So from the football terms, clearly it made sense. This oh, is yeah. a head coach who you're bringing on as an assistant coach, as a position coach. That's a win. Now, everything else that's tied to him with suing the league, of course, that's another story. But when it comes to the football side of things, it made perfect sense. And, you know, I'm happy they were able to do that because the staff got got better instantly when they hired Brian Flores, just seeing what he was able to do in the short term as a head coach in the league. Yeah, and you hear from players right now, and even from what I've seen, he's hands-on. I don't know if they had that experience with previous regimes and previous coaches. And again, it's a, a coach with head coaching experience, adding himself as an assistant under a championship head coach on a team. It's hard to have that be something that's going to be bad in terms of the, the football team and improving things. The defensive side of the ball needed improvement, despite putting yeah. up sack numbers There are things to improve upon. But now, obviously you played in the league a long time and you were a notable play in the league a long time playing under Mike Tomlin, who an African-American championship head coach and 
Tomlin actually at the time when he got the Steelers job was kind of an unknown. So he kind of got it working under Tony Dungy, who's another Hall of Fame African-American head coach, and then eventually got the job with the Steelers. In terms of the Brian Flores situation and his lawsuit with the NFL, I don't know how much you know know necessarily in terms of inner workings or if you talk to any players or coaches about it at all, but what are your thoughts on that lawsuit in terms of him saying he didn't feel like he was either given as much rope or handled fairly or even given a legit interview because of the color of his skin. Obviously the Rooney rule is there. So that's why he did maybe get interviews maybe. And that could be a positive, but obviously if they're fraudulent interviews, maybe he wouldn't want them. What are your thoughts on the lawsuit in general and just the NFL's race relations? Because obviously not even just as a player, you were very involved with, a African-American head coach, and then the Rooney family, it's called the Rooney rule. They, they were very involved in trying to fix the problem in the first place, but it now appears based on what Brian Flores is saying, that problem did not get fixed, actually. Nah, nah. I mean, my thoughts, number one, you know, it took a lot of guts for Brian Flores to do that, knowing that potentially his coaching career could be in jeopardy, um, clearly as a head coach, right? And I think he understood that, and he knew what the ramifications would be in making this a reality, and he did it because he wanted to make sure other coaches that look like him have a different outcome when yeah. it comes to the entire due process of trying to get hired as a head coach. Um, but am I surprised to hear the allegations that he is, you know, targeting to the NFL? No. Granted, you got to wait and see how everything plays out. But based on what his allegations is, if this, if everything he said was legit, was true, I'm not here to say it was or was not, but I'm giving right. you a hypothetical. If it was, sure, would I be surprised? No. Would any of us be surprised? No, we without, shouldn't. Without naming any names, though, if you don't want to, but did you ever encounter or experience anything yourself, even just hearing no. something? No, I mean, as, as players, did no, any not player, as players. Did you even but, hear but, anything from a coach that kind of looked the wrong way about, hey, I don't know, or anything prime like example. That? We don't have to look any further than looking at our head coach. The reason why Mike Tomlin is in Pittsburgh is about Miami Dolphins basically said he was too hip-hop. He was too urban. Decided to go with Cam Cameron. Case closed. Case closed. <laughs> right. The story was, coming from Miami, when Mike Tomlin interviewed for the Miami Dolphin job, his first interview, he blew away. Cam Cameron came in, had an interview, Dud. Mike Tomlin interview was a success. They said, you know what? Let's bring Cam back in to try to justify hiring Cam because the first interview was such a, a, a letdown. They're like, man, let's give him another opportunity to kind of correct his wrongs, to kind of justify, right? They still paying for that. They yeah. still. So my thing is this: when you yeah. say, "quote unquote," this is. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, but I think the words they use that Mike Tomlin was either too hip hop or too urban. And Channing Crowder mentioned that to Mike T on the pivot. And Mike Tomlin yeah, right. said, yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, he didn't he didn't deny it, but he kind of confirmed it sideways. Yes, that's what I heard. So my thing is this, Mike, when you say someone is too hip hop or too urban, right. you're basically you're putting them in a category. When it comes to racist yeah right you wouldn't say that about an, a, a, a caucasian person or no probably question. somebody of anything other than an african-american you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't and, and to kind of flip this 
for this to be an open-minded conversation. Absolutely. One wouldn't say to an African-American, oh, you're too country, you're too Western. Right. You're too hillbilly. Right? Right. But when you say, oh, he's a little too urban and he's too hip-hop, whatever it was they used to describe Mike Tomlin, we already know where you're coming from. So just that, just for, for us talking about this old Brian Flores situation, that's why we shouldn't be surprised. Because our coach, my coach, became my coach because the Dolphins felt like he was a little too black. Point blank. That's, that's what it, it. comes. That's what it comes off of when you're saying that. And of course, I heard those rumors as well, and he heard his rumors. That was another thing that was interesting because I had not heard Tomlin all those years of covering him. I have not really heard him speak on those rumors almost 20 years ago. Now it is yeah. interesting how that's still in his mind. Think and about he, that. Think yeah. about that. And, and, and so if if Mike Tomlin basically had to endure something like that, right, right. How many other coaches had to endure the same thing? But also to remember the way this got out to the public wasn't because of Mike Tomlin, because someone else let it out. Right. Think about how many coaches just kind of kept things internal. Yeah, to Tom, keep the- I would imagine Mike Tomlin at that time, and that was prior to winning a championship. That was when he was an assistant. He probably didn't want to let that out or let any excuses fly because he probably, as you mentioned, and I thought this, and we still haven't yet to see where this goes. He's only an assistant right now. That when Brian Flores took this step, I thought that's probably the end of his coaching career. Certainly as a head coach, Mike Tomlin probably thought back then, if I let this out, if I complain in this regard, I'm not going to get the opportunity that I want. To. Yeah, because you know, one year in Minnesota as a defensive coordinator, had a real stout unit, and because of that, he got opportunities to be a head coach. Right. Um. But but just just that that logic alone put Miami set Miami back years. Yeah. And then ironically enough, we're still talking about Miami with the Brian Flores situation and having had Brian Flores. And then they still trying to find a head coach. Think about about how many coaches they went through. Yeah. Instead of hiring Mike Tomlin for number one, we happy Pittsburgh. We're happy that the Dolphins felt like Mike T was too black. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure you are. Yeah. (laughs) It worked no, out for you. Still trying to get it right. You. Right. Yeah, they absolutely are here again. Brian McFadden, Mike Oxier. here. As we're talking, Mike Tomlin's appearance on The Pivot with Ryan Clark and company. And yeah, that was very open of Tomlin. It was, it was great to hear that a little bit. That was kind of opening up more than maybe we've heard him in recent years. I do also want to ask about his kind of swift answer to the, the question of, Antonio Brown (laughs) and will Antonio Brown ever be welcome back here? And even, but even answering it swiftly of, I think the quote was that ain't happening, but also not closing the door about a possible Steelers retirement, as you know, teams do of coming in a day contract and saying you're a Steelers still retiring. And as we stand now, and um, as we both know, the (laughs) who knows where the wind blows, but as we stand now, Antonio Brown saying that he likely his playing career is over and we know what happened last year, ending that that time with the Buccaneers, despite winning a championship. Would you expect the Steelers maybe to do something like that? Because that was something that I thought, I don't see that happening. And is there anything that you either heard or saw over your time with the Steelers or knowing the Steelers or talking to the Steelers that either was unveiled in that show or just otherwise about Mike Tomlin's thoughts on that Antonio Brown situation? Because obviously I don't even know if he's ever going to be fully open on that situation, but he had a lot to handle obviously for, for, for many years. And it, that ain't happening felt like he still is a little sensitive to the topic. I think 
Mike Tomlin us was thinking the question that was asked of him to him yeah. was would they welcome Antonio Brown back as a player as a play? player right and that ain't happening. so that's why he said that ain't happening because yeah. Antonio Brown has been away from the game for quite some time and clearly yeah. he seems to be more of an entertainer than than athlete because we we see him doing what entertaining people instead of working out and yeah. he hasn't come out and say I still want to play football and he said he was hurt. That was his defense of what happened with the Buccaneers yeah. in the Meadowlands. So if he's hurt and needs surgery, he's not getting it. I haven't heard him getting it. Yeah, so so there's no one that would consider, in my opinion right now, of trying to give him a shot to be a player. But then when they re- rephrased the question and said to retire, right? you know, Mike Tomlin, okay, he welcomed that. Now, at the end of the day, it's not just his decision to make. You know, clearly it has to be an organizational type decision. Got to go through Mr. Rooney and the powers that be. Uh, but to hear the head coach say, yeah, you know, I will welcome him back at, to retire as a Steeler. As he stated countless times during that interview, they had nine great years. Nine great years. They did. There were a lot of things that went wrong that cut those nine years short. But getting to nine years, tip top production from coach, from player. He spoke so highly of him and he respect who to- Antonio Brown was as a football player. The day to day work that he put in respecting the craft, wanting to be great. And like he said, never blank, never seen that guy blank. He was running into the kitchen when the kitchen was on fire. Not too many players can do that or want yeah. to do that. Yeah. We all grew up, we watched Antonio grow. I mean, his rookie year, when I was still there, I just, some players you instantly see, they got it. Not just from the physical standpoint, but just from the heart, yeah. the heart. I mean, Antonio had, the size of his heart is about the size of 10 bears hearts combined. And you could argue he had to work harder than almost anybody and did. No this isn't a guy coming out. He didn't come out of Florida State. Like, you're, you're like, you're yeah, he had to work. And he welcomed that work, that hard work of ded- dedicating himself to the craft. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, when it's all said and done, if he wanted to come back and retire as a Steeler, they will welcome him. Um, but in the day, hearing Mike T saying, yeah, that, that, that's no problem. That's the first domino. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you know how, how, respected his opinion is throughout the organization yeah obviously mike tom was involved obviously and his his opinion i think would go far if he said it's okay with me that might be a thought for them that was just an interesting comment because we have not really heard mike tomlin speak on antonio brown and of course he's not a steelers player so he's not going to if we would ask but he has not really spoken on antonio brown at all since his departure and everybody knows the drama that ensued with that departure and then what's happened even after the fact so it seems like Tomlin Pryor had danced around it and maybe he felt comfortable with one of his former players there and kind of opened up a little bit. That's kind of what, what did happen and where he opened up a little bit. What I do want to ask you, and this goes away now from the talk there with Ryan Clark and the pivot, and I'm not going to promote for them. They don't need me to, but I would recommend watching it tons there and also tons on our site of SteelersNow.com to, to fully cover that. And there's a lot more we could talk for hours on, on what was unveiled there. But in terms of the NFL's current handling of say, another controversial player, maybe for other reasons, maybe for some of the same in in terms of Deshaun Watson. We now have a situation where he's kind of settled many of those cases, ends up getting a mega deal by the Browns, eventually traded by the Texans. Last year kind of had a wink-wink. He wasn't going to play. This year, clearly he wants to play. The Browns want him to play. And there's continuous rumors about what the games could be and if there's going to be a suspension. But We have yet to hear any announcement from the NFL. The NFLPA clearly going to defend their guy. He's a member of their union. They have to. But does it feel like we need something from the NFL to this point for you? 
And based on what we know, even by the NFL's bar of just if you're conduct detrimental to the league, that's how they've been able to suspend others in the past. Ben, for example, Ezekiel Elliott, et cetera. They didn't get found guilty of anything in court, but they got suspended. That's why it feels murky to me. Not, not saying someone's guilty or innocent, but we have plenty here that I think can go conduct detrimental to the league and quote unquote embarrassing for a QB. We've not heard anything. We've not got a suspension yet. Feels like we got to have something here soon, but thoughts on how the NFLs handle things and where you think we will go knowing the leak. Um, I, I think the league, they've been taking their time with this deal, with this ordeal. Yeah. Um, they have. Will it happen? Yes. Will they come down and hit him with something? Uh, no question. Based on what you said, Ben got suspended. Ezekiel Elliott got suspended. Hey, Ezekiel Elliott, both by the letter of the law, was was not found guilty. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. They didn't. Yeah, Ben. Yeah, they didn't go to court. Yeah, and found guilty. But, but they and, still right because of their quote unquote ties to that situation, alleged ties. Yeah, to the situation. And, and Ezekiel Elliott kept appealing and appealing and appealing. If yes. you remember, then eventually got suspended. So Deshaun might be able to appeal as well. But yeah. there's a myriad of guys that. So my thing is this: right. if those two players that we're talking about was tied to one individual, yeah, quote unquote. This man is tied. Deshaun is tied to 24. Yeah. So my thing is this NFL and, and a lot of people felt like, especially Ezekiel Elliott, when they still suspended Ezekiel Elliott, they felt the NFL handled it wrong. But if that's what the standard is, uh, one would think, yes, he's going to be spinning. And that's the cleat. The Browns expect that. That's why they only gave him a million dollar base salary this year. Make sure it's 30 plus million dollars. <laughs> right. So they already were expecting, okay, he's probably going to be suspended. So just to make this deal sweet for him, let's make his, 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 his base super low so he's not missing out on a lot of money. Yeah. So to, answer, to, to tap it all off, yeah, it's going to happen. They, something will be in place before the start of the season. This might, it might linger through training camp, might linger throughout the entire training camp preseason. We don't know. But before the start of the season, we would know how many games Deshaun will, will be missing. Yeah, I'm sure we will. And then obviously the NFLPA, like with others, they're going to appeal. And generally it works with any suspension throughout any league anywhere. You get something and it's going to get whittled down a little bit. So if he's suspended for the whole year, I'd imagine maybe he'll miss 10 to 12 games or something like that. For me, though, it feels like we should have heard some of this news already. It does look a little bad at this point. We've heard nothing because as we're talking, the bar for a suspension is not the court. He doesn't mm -hmm. need found guilty for the NFL to do something all the time so i'm not sure why it's taking so long here brian mcfadden joining me here on mic drop mike Osti, as we're talking some controversy around the nfl but i do also want to talk about this current steelers team here and the outlook coming into the season because a lot of people are saying that they have the potential to be one of the better defenses in the league you obviously played in one of the better defenses in league history and won a championship for doing so they have been good in recent years, certainly the sack numbers and TJ's individual awards and recognition, that can be maybe misleading because they certainly allowed a lot of points, certainly allowed a lot of yards, certainly against the ground mostly. Stephon Tuitt not coming back now, so that's gone. But they made a lot of moves this offseason to try to repair things, to add depth. And obviously the whole situation, even on the offensive side of the ball, with drafting Pickett, Ben retiring, Trubisky there as a former Pro Bowler, who's going to be the QB, Mason Rudolph still on this team. 
What are your thoughts about the outlook of this team? What still needs done needs wise? What still do they need to do? And what do you think they should do in terms of still key decisions about who starts week one at quarterback, et cetera? Um, I think this is a playoff caliber team because the defense still should be pretty good, right? The defense still should be pretty good, especially if they're healthy. Um, you know, you got one of the best uh, sack guys in the National Football League. You got one of the best safeties. You got one of the best uh, defensive ends in the league. You got a, a, a talented guy in Miles Jack, who they've added from Jacksonville, um, three-down backer. Hopefully that could e- initiate some positive, consistent play from Devin Bush, who really jumped on the scene early in his rookie year, but injuries kind of derailed his production. Um, so they got pieces. They have pieces. Yeah, they locked I up think, Minka. Minka's going to yeah, be there for yeah. years to come now. Yeah. So just stay healthy is always the main ingredient for success. And then offensively, I think this offense should be better than a year ago. The offensive line was still, you know, still work in progress. Yeah. Right. You had a rookie running back who's still bald. One would think Najee should be much better. I believe the offensive line will be better. You know, you got an up-and-coming tight end and who, as a rookie, showed flashes. He should be better, yeah. right? Uh, Deontay, uh, Claypool, who's already saying he's a top three wide receiver, not going to put it on film. <laughs> right, yeah, go yeah. put it on film. Right, prove Bruce it, Pickens, right. who uh, I, I love. Yeah, um, yeah, George Pickens, yeah. George Pickens, I'm sorry, not Bruce Pickens. Bruce Pickens played corner. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you're always going to lead was that. was one stuff. of the highest-drafted corners ever right. to Nebraska. I think the Falcons drafted. Bruce Pickens, but George Pickens. <laughs> okay, George Pickens. George Pickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I, I loved him at Georgia. Of course, if he was healthy, yeah. he probably would have been a first round selection. Um, so they got pieces. It's all about the quarterback play. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. If you don't have a good quarterback, the field is 150 yards. Yeah, you got to drive a, an extra 50 to score. If you can put your head though into say Cam Hayward's mind as a veteran player on this team, and obviously the Steelers always do this, as you know, Tomlin hasn't had a losing season despite maybe not tons of playoff success over the last decade plus. They want to win now, but it's also clearly about the future. That's clearly been about this draft. Kenny Pickett clearly seems to be the guy of the future. They wouldn't have taken him in the first round. He was the only QB taken there. He just signed his deal at Sons of Cash for for where his spot was. Whether he went to Pitt or not as a material, he's certainly the guy for the future. Trubisky's only a few years older than him. Led a Bears team with a worse roster through the playoffs before. Is a former Pro Bowler. Certainly, the jury's still out on if he can really be the guy for you. Mason, you know, he, he's he's probably going to be elsewhere. I'd imagine they're going to trade him and get something else for him because I do think he's better than QB three, regardless of where his future takes him. But. What would you want if you're a veteran player on this team? Because, yes, you understand Kenny Pickett might be the most NFL-ready rookie, and he certainly is the future, but you put a rookie in there, there's going to be growing pains. It doesn't matter who you are. Trubisky might be a little bit more ready. Would you want just the best guy that wins this camp battle? Would you be a little concerned if they go with the rookie since it hasn't been decided right now? Would you want the cushion of the veteran? Where would your head be? Who? I mean, right now, to answer the question, I would say Trubisky because we haven't seen Kenny Pickett take a meaningful snap in a preseason game. Yeah, we're not there, right? This is we're this not is there awesome. yet. So, right. if you, to answer the question right now, Trubisky, Trubisky, however you want to call it, he made a Pro Bowl. He did some positive things yeah. in a very, very dysfunctional situation in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, his win loss record is still above five hundred as right. a starting quarterback. Right. The phone. Fun- uh, the structure is more in place in Pittsburgh than what he had any year in Chicago. Yeah. To so put that's it, one caveat. 
to put it you know lightly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and if Trubisky and Kenny Pickett was in the same draft coming out of college, Trubisky would still be drafted higher, in my opinion. Okay. So I think the talent is there and the experience is there. Now, if something happens throughout training camp where Kenny Pickett is balling, you can't deny what he's doing. Then of course you got to make that you got to make that decision. Then, so when it comes to a quarterback, you know who should start and who shouldn't start. It's easy right now because we yet to see one guy throw a pass in the NFL game. But I'm okay if Kenny Pickett out battles Trubisky. Let the best man win. Think about Seattle when they drafted Russell Wilson. They had just signed Matt Flynn to a nice deal, right. bigger than Trubisky's deal. Matt Flynn didn't play yeah. one. One, uh, I don't well, he played a few snaps throughout the year, but he wasn't the start. He, yeah, yeah, at the training camp, Russell was a starting uh quarterback and he was a third rounder. Yeah, so I think the Steelers will have that open mind when it comes to that competition. But if you were to say right now, we had to play tomorrow or Sunday, yeah, it's Trubisky's job right now. Yeah, Brian McFadden here. We're getting close to wrapping up a two time Super Bowl champion, obviously, football analyst with CBS Sports and co host of all things covered with Patrick Peterson. Brian, I definitely appreciate the time. I do want to get you out of here with this, because this is another topic that could be decided any day, but certainly is a big question right now around the Steelers present and also future. We mentioned earlier that Minka got paid, and that clearly was the top priority that solidifies a player on the defense. It's a big deal. But Deontay Johnson has not yet been paid, and he is a receiver that you did mention. Chase Claypool thinks he's top three in the league, so I don't know where that would that would leave Deontay, because clearly last year Deontay was the number one on the Steelers. Claypool was below him. Claypool had a down year. Deontay emerged to being that wide receiver one on Pittsburgh, a Pro Bowl caliber year. But he still had some drop issues at the end of the year that were gone most of the season, but they then popped back up the last few weeks. He had those issues the year before. It seems like more of a wait-and-see approach for a lot of people in terms of the evaluation of Deontay. What are your thoughts on Deontay and where he stands in the NFL if he deserves this big money and if the Steelers should kind of cash in with Deontay? Because you bring up George Pickens and other, also Calvin Johnson's a receiver they drafted. Two of the first three picks outside of Pickett were receivers they drafted. And as you know, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, it seems like the NFL way right now is a receiver – plays well for you, you appreciate it for a few years, and right when they're ready to cash in, you move them elsewhere because you feel like you can replace them in the draft and it's a replaceable position. The days of the AB make a contract kind of seem gone, at least for the incumbent team, even if somebody eventually pays you. So yeah. where is Deontay for you? And should they go that route and throw money at him? Because obviously it's a position that could potentially be easily replaced no matter how good you are. Um, I look at the wide receiver position as – Tier one, tier two, and tier three guys. I think Deontay's a tier two guy. Okay. Um, he's really exceeded the expectations, in my opinion, so far throughout his career in Pittsburgh. He was the number one wide receiver right. last year. And, heck, it's safe to say the year before that he was the number one as well. You could argue that. I don't know if everyone agreed, right. but I tried to argue Yeah, that. you can make Absolutely. that argument. You can, yeah, you can yeah. still make that argument. You know what yeah. I mean? So, with that being said, I understand the drops are concerned, clearly. But – Will they consider him to be a tier one type guy and be paid like such? No. No. Unfortunately for Pittsburgh, the wide receiver market has been inflated so much. Yeah. So much. Pittsburgh, the Steelers, they want the wide receiver market to be deflated a little bit, similar <laughs> to what the Patriots do to footballs. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. That's what they want. Yeah. But yeah. it's not going anywhere. So if you're Deontay, I mean, the market <laughs> is the market. 
right now, but I don't see Pittsburgh paying Deontay 25 million per year. I don't see it happening at all. And I think seeing what happened in the draft and taking George Pickens number two in the second round. Yeah. They're, they knew this was coming. Yeah. You, you got Anthony, you added Anthony Miller, who's been around the league for quite some time. Miles Boykin. I mean, names that might not just blow you away, but they've added pieces to create depth just in case things don't work out after this year for Deontay. Yeah. And even Fryermuth can get to another level as a pass catcher, yeah. as a tight end. He's done it blocking now that he didn't do in college. And they added a kid from uh, Memphis as well. Yeah, yeah. Right? The the, the, the little small receiver, uh, quick, fast fast dude. Yeah, Cal- Calvin uh, Austin the third as well. Austin, as yeah. Austin. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a burner. Yeah. yeah. He's a burner. So if, if Deontay and his camp don't lower their demands, I don't know if he plays with Pittsburgh after this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Though. I don't they, know where they might. Mark- they might think that he can get it elsewhere because as you mentioned, there are players that aren't really that there. The receiver money seems like it's out there. Even if the incumbent team doesn't want to pay it. Yeah. So you got to look at it like this. You got guys who got paid this offseason in Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, freaking Chris Godwin. Yeah. Cause the guys you mentioned had to get traded to get paid though. They and some of those on. guys got traded to get right. those new deals. Chris Godwin right. got his deal. He was franchised a year ago uh, right. coming off an injury. Um, then you look at other guys who are fighting for contracts, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin with Washington, right? So now those guys are probably going to reset the market to some degree. Will they get yeah. that Tyreek Hill type money? Probably not. Tyreek is getting almost $30 million, but they will be north of $26 million easily. So if you're Deontay and you're in the same class, if I'm not mistaken, as Debo. I think he's in the same class as all those guys. Yeah. Debo and Terry. You want to be right there with them. The question is, do we all believe Pittsburgh will do that? I don't think so. Yeah, and we've also seen with the Juju situation, obviously he got hurt and he went from putting up numbers with AB. AB's gone. He never was a number one that he maybe thought he was going to be or some people thought he could become. He kind of fell into that slot role. He said he wanted to be on the outside. It didn't happen. And he came back last year, but now eventually had to move on. And he hasn't fully cashed in, but there seems like there's a shelf life. And, and, and who knows if there's also concern about, yeah, we can either easily replace it or if we're not 100% sold in a guy because it's been maybe one elite year, do we want to throw tons of cash? So that's, that's still going to be remain to be seen. This is a big year. I would say the two Steelers players that have the most pressure on them this year, without question, Deontay Johnson needs to put it up again. And then Devin Bush, you talked yep. about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he, he needs to put it up even more than Deontay. He's coming off. You can argue a, a, an athlete, maybe it takes a year or so after an ACL to get back to form. I mean, we're, it'll be now two years. So that yeah. excuse is going to be gone. He's going to need to need to get back there. But he was phenomenal when he first came out. And they did trade up for him. So tons of pressure in that regard. Brian, I definitely appreciate the time. Hope we can definitely do this again here as a lot of the more this news comes out and we get to maybe a vacation, then get to training camp and then a whole other season. It seems like this calendar is just flying by. Um, <laughs> so I definitely I definitely appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you for having me, Mike. Anytime. Absolutely. Anything you want to quickly plug here? Any, oh any? man, just you know, Steeler Nation, man. Thank you for the support. Um, definitely check me out on CBS Sports HQ, getting ready for this season, covering NFL and collegiate football fantasy as well, with some gambling extras <laughs> involved. Course, and if you course. haven't listened to my podcast with my cousin Patrick Peterson, please do. Uh, we have a YouTube page as, as well. Subscribe so you can get alerted of all our great content right away. And we can be found anywhere podcasts are found. All things covered <laughs> is the podcast, and we do cover all things. 
Yeah, and you were open on this. You covered all things here. So definitely, no I definitely appreciate it again. Brian McFadden, two-time Super Bowl champ, football analyst, co-host of All Things Covered. I definitely appreciate it, man. I thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.